I'm Lauren and welcome to The Afterlight. David Laws is undoubtedly Australia's highest profile psychic flower reader. David is a very gifted psychic who has been practicing the ancient and incredibly beautiful art of flower reading for over 31 years. And today he is just one of four to five people in the world who conduct flower readings as a full-time profession. His ability to elicit spiritual guidance from the universal source energy through flowers is astounding and always leaves people in shocked amazement with his level of accuracy and his ability to profile people, their personalities, their life situations, and predictions for their future. David is joining me today to talk about his life, his spiritual journey, how he connects to the universal source energy, and what is a psychic flower reading. Hi, David. <laughs> hi, Lauren. Good morning and hi, everybody. You know what? I got goosebumps when I was reading your, um, your bio. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, darling. Thank you. That's uh, man, Meant to be. So thank you so much for joining me on the program. I've got to tell you, I cannot wait to talk about what a psychic flower reading is because I have never heard of it. So I'm sure that there are some listeners that also are wondering, what is this all about? But before we get into all the goods of that, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how did your spiritual journey start? Sure. Well, Lauren, it's crazy. I mean, the wonderful thing about um, spiritual awareness and spiritual work, one does not wake up in the bed one morning as a kid and go, hmm, I think I'll be spiritual. I think I'll do some spiritual things. We don't know what that is because it's just such a, you know, it's such a natural part of life. And for me, um, I really guess I, I, my spiritual awareness came about at a fairly young age. Now, my character, I'm a very, very sensitive guy and I'm very much in tune with my emotions, my feelings and was always known as a sensitive type of kid, but never, you know, I was never kooky or crazy and luckily for me, I was never bothered by spirits in the sense of, you know, some kids, you know, have some terrible uh, night terrors and nightmares because they connect to the spirit world so clearly and mm -hmm. uh, they, you know, they have these uh, people come and visit them. Well, I, I wasn't like that. Mine was more an awareness and I guess for me, it probably uh, was around about the age of 10, 11, 12 that I started to feel things and know things about people without realising that's what I was tuning into. And as you might be able to appreciate, and I'm sure our listeners can appreciate, back in the era that I grew up in, the wonderful era of the 60s and 70s, this work was just not spoken about or even known about, you know, unless you were in like little pockets of people. You were very closeted that way. And it was just mainstream religion or you didn't go to church at all, but there was nothing about spirituality. And the beautiful family that I was uh, raised in with my lovely mum and dad and siblings, uh, there was no spiritual awareness. And this is not something that was handed, not handed down, but not something that I, you know, I inherited from a, a, a family tradition as some people are very, like, you know, they've, they've got wonderful traditions with their spiritual um, um, generations. That wasn't the case with me. So I grew up in a little country, we grew up in a little country town out in New South Wales and I was pretty much sort of on my own feeling these things and it really wasn't until uh, mum, mum would inquire about a few little things and I used to say to mum, mum and dad were big entertainers when we were kids and uh, they'd always, we'd always have a house full of barbecues and dinners and friends would come over and 
groups of people and often I'd say to mum, tell that friend of yours, blah, blah, blah. And mum would say, oh, don't be ridiculous. That's silly. That's not going to happen. I said, well, I just know that lady over there, that friend, she's going to be pregnant. She'll, you know, she's going to have a little baby girl with red hair and freckles. And mum would say, don't be ridiculous. Well, of course, it would always happen. It would wow. mostly always come to pass. And one day mum sat me down and she said, son, where are you getting this information from? It scares me. Why? Who's talking to you? I said, mum, I don't know. I, I just... I just know it's knowledge. It just comes into my head. I just know that I look and look at someone and I just know that something, I just know something. And luckily and happily for me, it was always pretty good things, uplifting things. It was never anything dramatic or horrible like predicting accidents and death. And mm. those all, it was never like that. It was always conducive to people's paths. Anyway, long story short, we moved to Sydney when I was 20 years of age. All the family packed up and moved. Dad moved up with his job. And that's when it, oh, my God, it took off with a vengeance. Now, that was in 1980. And as you can appreciate, my darling, <laughs> back then there was no such thing as the internet. Everything was books. There was just books. And the world was a huge, big place. And, you know, the world is a tiny village now because of the internet. But back then we could only learn through books or from meeting somebody. And I used to hold people's hands close my eyes and I would elicit my guidance that way and I used to give them these little readings and it took off and people were quite interested in uh, what I had to say and they would come back to me weeks or months later and say, hey, you know what, all those things you told me, they've all come to pass. I go, oh, well. Anyway, long story short, word filtered back to um, a, a lady who uh, became my great spiritual mentor and teacher and she's the lady who introduced me to the concept of flower reading. Were you ever scared of your gifts? You do talk about how there was a lot of positive stuff, but did it ever sort of freak you out that you know this? No, never. Not really, Lauren, because when you know something, it's like I think, well, gosh, if I, if I know, know the sky's blue because I'm looking at it, can't you see the sky either? Can't you see that the sky's blue? Like you think what you see, what you feel, what you hear uh, when you're a child you just think, well, can't you feel that as well? Because you think everyone else can feel it because it doesn't feel foreign. It's, it's not something foreign. It's innately within you. That's how it, uh, it started for me. It was, it was very gentle and very subtle the way that it came into my life and it's always been a part of my life and it's something that I've always been guided by and I just call it the knowing. I call, the, I, I call it the knowing and the knowing is my friend because the knowing helps me keep on track with life and with all the things that are happening in the world at the moment. I just tune into the knowing and the knowing supports me and says everything's fine, everything's okay, it's all good. I just feel that I, I trust myself, but I really trust the way that I'm guided and the yes. way that I, I receive my information. And I just, it's like, it's a beautiful prod from the universe. I always refer to it as universe. Some people refer to it as God or the divine. All those things are perfect because at the end of the day, we're just, everything's energy, as you know, sweetheart. Everything is energy. We are energy and we are energetic beings and we are connecting into the energy. We're not connecting, we are the energy. And, we're, and once we attune to that, and once we understand how the energy works and the fact that it's working through us and, and with us here, it's where you direct your energy, where energy goes, energy flows. And, uh, and, uh, and that's how it works. So I'm very consciously aware of where I project my energy, my thoughts, my feelings, because I always try to keep the vibrations nice and strong. Yeah, it just is. It just flows. And you see all the bumps and things along the way. We all go through that. And my gosh, you know, we'll talk about that later on. But uh, at the end of the day, it's always there to support us. It's not there to support me. It's there to support us because this is natural. It's a natural mm -hmm. part of who we are. And I, I doubt there'd be very few people who haven't had a psychic 
experience or a thought and think, oh, my God, even those people who don't believe or don't mm -hmm. really follow this, they go, oh, well, how come I knew that? I suddenly thought of that person and they rang me and uh, or I just thought of something. And, oh, my God, that, that's just appeared. Like it can really throw some people out. But it's just a gentle reminder that this is part of what we're attuned to. It's a part of who we are. It's a natural part, another another natural ability and skill that we've got, but it's just something that I became aware of and have developed over the years. You know what I love about what you said is you kind of made it seem as though everyone has an opportunity to tap into this. And I think sometimes people think, oh, that's just a coincidence without realizing that, you know, Maybe it's part of a bigger picture. Now, you kind of talked about how in the 80s, it's really your skill set really started solidifying. Did you sort of develop and grow your skills by practicing? Was that how you got better? 100%. Two things, Lauren, two things um, that really helped me along the way. I, I, as I said, I mentioned that lovely lady that I met. Her name was Denise. And uh, she is the lady who opened the door to this whole world of spirituality to me. She was the door opener. And uh, very sadly, she's passed away now. She's uh, departed this mortal coil around about um, 15 years ago. And she was the lady who introduced me to this whole whole world and it was just oh my god i was like a kid being led into a lolly shop for the first time it's like oh my god look at all these things on the shelf i want that i want that i want to try this i want to try that i want it. oh my god i want it all throw it at me i want it and she said just one at a time sweetheart one at a time and it's like oh wow so that's how it pretty much you know started for me and i i just didn't know you know what how do i do this how do i get better and you know what she said to me she said darling there are two things that will develop you more than anything. And I said, what? She said, number one is meditation. She said, mm -hmm. meditation is the key. Meditation is the super, super highway to the super conscious. So when you work with the super conscious and you open up those channels, nothing in this world is going to raise your vibration better uh, and quicker than what meditation will. And having said quicker, Please don't misinterpret that by thinking that if I meditate tonight, I'll be a different person tomorrow. It, it's, a, it's a lifelong process. And uh, that's the thing with meditation. And the, the second key thing is exactly what you said, practice, practice, practice. And after you've practiced, you practice again. Okay, mm, so yeah. meditative practice, meditation and meditative practice and uh, that's the and really um that's what's led me to where I am today because there's nothing else that I've done that has advanced my uh, cause or my work in any other way. It's just been it's a been a lifelong journey. So finally, I have aligned with my dharma, uh, with my life mission and purpose, and that's what I'm aligned with now. So uh, it's a beautiful place to be. I love that. So you talked earlier about how you listen to your guides. I'd like to know what is a guide and how is that connected to the universal source energy? Okay, beautiful. Well, funnily enough, this is, a, this is where it becomes a little interesting because some people are very connected to their guides. They know them by name, um, how many they've got, who they are. I actually don't really know who my guides are. I begged, begged, begged to know, guys, who are you? Where are you? How many of you are there? Are you male? Are you female? What did you do for a living? Where did you live? I wanted to know everything. I was so inquisitive. I was like, come on, come on, come on. And I, I spoke to other mediums and psychics and they had, uh, you know, Longfeather was one of their uh, guides and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, Red Bull was one of their uh, other guides and all these other. And I'm going, well, who are mine? Where are mine? Who, you know? And I remember one day in meditation, gosh, it was a long time ago now, around 30 years ago, I came out of a meditation and I just had this overwhelming 
it was a voice, but it wasn't. It was this knowledge that came through almost in a voice form. It's hard to explain. And it virtually said, son, you do not need to know us by name. If we, uh, if we identify ourselves to you, we may be in danger of falling into adulation from you, whereas all respects and all thanks and all um, accolades must go to the creator. So mm -hmm. we are here to support you. We're here to guide you, but we are part. You are a part of us as we are a part of you. And they explained that whilst they are the guides and they are guiding me and supporting me, but they said you're supporting us and guiding us because we're on in our role as teachers as well. Uh, so I have a collection of, um, you've heard of Abraham? Yes, that's Abraham. what you made me think of. That's exactly right. Well, with Abraham, Abraham is a group of energies. It's not one man. It's Abraham as a group. Well, my group, I just call them the group of love. So I connect with love. So I come from love. I work with love. I am love. And I express my love. So I just say love. It's from me, love to you, love. <laughs> so there you are. And, uh, and that. really, that's it. Yeah, I do. it's very, it's, and I think a lot of people, this is where, see, Lauren, this is where it can become a little confusing for a lot of people and, and frustrating because people think that they have to know their guides and if they don't know who their guides are or how many they've got, it doesn't mean that they can progress in the work. Honestly, sweetheart, I just do my work. I tune in uh, and all my knowledge, all, my, all the knowing comes into my mind and it spits out and that's what this is. So I just connect to the divine and the divine to me is a collection of beautiful energies of love that are there to support me on my journey. Because at the end of the day, the thing that I think is very important for people to know and understand is groundedness and simplicity. Please, simplicity, simple, simple. I take my lessons from nature. I look at a tree, I look at a flower, I look at the ocean, I look at the fish, I look at the mountains and you know what? They just grow. They just they, they don't question anything. They just grow into their beautiful form, and they just have they you know everything starts as a seed when we're talking about trees and flowers and things. But you know what? The seeds just grow into what they are meant to be. The the, the rose is not trying to be a gum tree. The gum tree is not trying to be a rose. It just follows its natural order and flow and doesn't question. It just grows into its natural beauty. Whereas us, inverted commas, the intelligent ones, are the ones who we just, our, our mind gets so caught up in, oh, but I've got to be like her, but I've got to be like him, but I want to, I want to be like him, but I want to be like her. And I want to, oh, oh my God, but you know, not like, but it's, it's, it's a lot of confusion can come into it. For me, it's funny, even though I have worked with many, many thousands of people, which is just very, very humbling. At the end of the day, I'm actually very peacefully on my own. I work very much on my own. I don't really connect with lots and lots of people in the sense of the work. I just quietly, I'm just like the guitar man. I just move from town to town and just play my song and whoever wants to, to listen to my song or to, you know, whoever, whoever wants to listen to my message, they will listen to my message and I have absolute faith and trust that whatever comes out will be. And I may meet you again, I may not. But uh, whatever does come through is meant to come through. And I'm at peace with that because I know who has got my back. And yeah. I always say, even though I work on my own, I actually have a silent business partner. I cannot do this work without my silent business partner. And my silent business partner is the divine. The divine is my silent business partner. Everything runs by the divine. So I'll check it out with them and they say it's fine. Great. So it's good. When you were talking about being true to yourself, it's such a simple statement, and yet for some it might be easy to do, but for others not. Do you think that our thoughts tend to confuse things and we aren't connecting with our heart enough? 
how do you think people can become more true to themselves? Absolutely. Great question, Lauren. You know what, when it comes to true, uh, to, to one being true to, to oneself and, you know, being true to the world, it's a, it's a, to me, it's a, it's a conglomeration of a few things. It's exactly what you said. But the other thing too, another major thing that uh, blocks people from being themselves is society and peer group pressure. And I must be this and I have to wear this face and I have to wear, oh, sorry, I have to wear this mask. So um, because we have a, we, we we're in a life of masks, we wear masks. And uh, we wear masks for many different reasons in many different situations, for work, for family, for pleasure, for friends, all those sorts of things. And for a lot of people, it is hard to be truly themselves, even though that's what they aspire to. And the crazy thing is, whilst people are desperately trying to take the mask off and be their true selves, all the people who they think may laugh at them and scorn them, they've got masks on as well. And they're probably thinking quietly the same thing. So everyone's battling behind their masks, not too afraid to take one mask off because they think the other masks will laugh at them. But the other masks are desperate to try to take their mask off as well. It's crazy, isn't it? But yeah. for those that really do move into a time and space where it's like, right, enough, and you take that mask off, some people might go, oh, my God, what are you doing? It's just like, you know what, I don't care. I used to care, I used to worry, but I don't care. Well, in reality, you will find that a lot of people will move into their midlife before they find that because it comes with life journey, experience. And I think for me personally, and I certainly speak from vast experience, that when you approach midlife, you suddenly realise one day, you think, my God, half of my life is over. And if I reach the age of 50 and I think I'm going to live to 100, well, my life is still half over. If I don't live to 100, well, my life is more than half over. So the question remains, how do you want to live the rest of your life? Do you want to live in fear? Do you want to live with the mask on? Do you want to live with the judgment that people might think? Or do you want to live with joy? And sadly, if you do lose people along the way, well, maybe that's something that may have to occur. Is that the price you're willing to pay to live in your absolute joy and your truth? Because when one lives in joy and truth, I've got to tell you, sweetheart, oh my God, this is part of learning to live and go with the flow. Because again, you become impenetrable, almost spiritually bulletproof because it's like I am confident, I'm happy and I accept my faults, my frailties, my insecurities. That's a beautiful part of who I am. I'm not perfect. I never will be perfect. But in fact, my perfections are beautifully balanced by all my imperfections as well. And I accept the whole damn lot. And this is it. And guess what? If you don't accept it or if you don't like it, I wish you well on your journey, my dear friend, mm. because, um, I can't afford to, to have, um, you know, to uh, waste my time and my energy on trying to appease other people. So that's one aspect of it. And the other aspect of it, sweetheart, is working with inside of, of yourself and getting to that point. And I, everyone is on a different path and journey, like I said, like we both said before. And, um, you know, some people are way more confident than other people. I know a lot of people um, who will, they will carry all that, angst and they're worried to the grave because they don't have the confidence to step out and stand out and they are surrounded by very very strong-minded people families and friends and what have you and unfortunately that's a that is a part of life but part of the journey for all of us is to move into our truth whatever your truth is but for those that are fortunate enough to grasp that, to understand that and to implement in their life and just to have the courage to step off the edge into the dark abyss of the unknown of what's going to happen at the risk of taking off your mask. Removing your mask is a huge risk. 
but is you know what I mean? But it's a mm. great risk. And as I said, I speak from vast experience. You think, oh my God, wow, you know. So yeah, I hope that answered your question a little. I think that sometimes people might feel that they're not worthy of having the best life possible. And when you were speaking that quote, I believe Dr. Seuss said it. He said, those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. Yeah, and I love that too. And I think that a big part of what you're talking about is courage. And so often we do things because we feel we need to and we don't have to do that. I think that, you know, people need to honor where they are and be true to themselves. That's exactly right. And so many people, Lauren, they just, they're at the beck, or they feel as if they're at the beck and whim of other people and they must do this and they must respond and they must attend and they must say yes and they must, 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 must for other people. Whereas, you know, there's a point of time, it's like, why do this? Why wear yourself out and at the expense of you? Because this is all a part of finding out who you really are in the sense of, you know, okay, everyone's got their own path and journey. But for me, the peace is when I choose for me and I, I choose for, you know, to, to bring in that sense of self-worthiness. And it's a long journey. It's a tough journey. And it's, it's a very, very long and, uh, you know, drawn-out journey to, to find out who we are. And it's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong process. And the best version of me is still emerging and will always be emerging, you know, because that's what life is all about. There's never a finishing point of saying, well, we are here. I've made it now. We're all ever expanding and ever growing, but it takes a lot of courage to take those first few steps. But, you know, the crazy thing is it starts with those tiny steps of saying no. I had a girlfriend of mine the other day. She said, Dave, I knocked back my one of my best friends the other day. She asked about something and she said no. And the girlfriend said, oh, okay, fine. She went, oh, my God, normally she would howl me down and say, but why can't you come? She accepted it. And she said, I just felt like I've got a little bit of my power back now. So that's exactly how it starts in the tiniest menial of ways. But it's just a little bit about not honouring you. Honour you. You, We yeah. have to honour us because, honey, if we don't honour us, no one else will either. You know yeah. what I mean? No, yeah. I'm not saying they won't honour us, but they won't honour us like we need to honour ourselves. But when we honour ourselves, it's uh, that beautiful sense of uh, that self-worth that starts to come in. It's beautiful. Yeah. I used to call it the guilt train. You know, uh, people put you on the guilt train and, you, oh, my God, honey, I had a full-time, I had a, a, a season ticket on the guilt train and I was riding that guilt train like you would not believe for a long, 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 long time. But there comes a point of time, one time, when you think, enough, enough. I'm not riding this guilt train anymore. I've had enough. Um, and I jokingly, you know, think to myself, or I said to someone the other day, where I said, if somebody tries to make me feel guilty, I'll say to them, you know what? Oh my God, thank you. You bought me a ticket on the guilt train. Well, you know what? I got your ticket in the mail and I packed my bags. I raced to the cab. I jumped into the cab, raced down to the railway station. I ran up the platform carrying all my bags. I had my, the ticket to the guilt train on my hand. You won't believe it. I got to the top of the platform. The train just left. I just missed it. I'm so sorry. So I don't catch a ticket. on it. I don't catch the guilt train anymore. It's like not my thing. No. Yeah. You know what? So it's just um, no. And, and you know, the wonderful thing is too, Lauren, when you move into this energy and this vibration of where you and I are at now, you know what, you don't, you don't get those hassles like you used to. You don't have those challenges as much as when, when you, and you just say, oh, look, thanks, but no thanks. Oh, okay, that's fine. It's not, there's no guilt there anymore. It's just like, nope, this is who I am. Yep, yep, I can do this. I can attend that. I can come to this. Yes, I'd love to be a part of this. Or no, I can't. And it's just this wonderful sense of, 
oh, what a great time of life this is. Why didn't I feel this way or think this way 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Well, the reality is, honey, no one is meant to have all that knowledge and wisdom at the age of 20. It's a lifelong process and this is how part of part of the journey you're on your journey learning and so am i and so is everyone else but it's beautiful to see how that comes about but uh it's yeah it's a lovely place to be i'm still working on not being on the guild train and being true with what i want to do and when and uh sort of not worrying necessarily about how other people are going to take it i guess i'm sure i'm not alone when i say that and uh I suppose it's really just about practicing. You know what, Lauren, it is practice and life is a practice and everything is a, everything is practicing. And I practice every day. I'm practicing, you know, life and practicing a new concept, a new idea. If I read a new book, I'll practice some, some wisdoms in that. But that's what life is all about. There is no perfection and there's no point, as I said before, and there's no finishing point. It's like, okay, bing, I've mastered it. I've got it all now. I've got it all down pat. You know, mm-hmm. I've got... I haven't, that's why, the, that's what's so beautifully grounding about this knowing about where you're at in life because I do not have time. I don't have one second to waste on worrying about what everyone else is doing, what they're mm-hmm. saying, what they're doing, what they're being involved in, what they watch, what that, I've got no time for that. I hear a, a clock ticking on the wall behind me. It's a, that ticking of the clock is a reminder that every second of my life is ticking away and the clock only ticks in one direction it only ticks forward it doesn't tick back so when i hear tick 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 it's like oh there's another second of your life has ebbed away and um so how are you contributing what's the best you can fit into your life with whatever time you've got left that's the most important thing and as i said doing it with humility grace and humor lots of love yeah. You know, uh, Eckhart Tolle is somebody whose work I really respect and uh, often reference. And his words came into my mind, which were, wherever you are, be there totally. And so for me, I guess if I, you know, need to work on my business, but I feel like watching Netflix, I'll watch Netflix and be there totally and not spend my time sitting there feeling guilty about it. Or having your mind ticking away about what you're going to write in your program and your workshop, and yeah. there's a there's a movie playing in front of you because you're not in either place. Yeah. You're not in either place because half of your mind is like, now I've got it back. Now what was that on the? Um, I watch. It, isn't it funny how you can watch a movie or watch something on telly and not watch it, but because yeah. your your eyes are looking at it. But, but you've got all this stuff going on, and, and oh my god, I've got to get that email off to Shirley, and I've got to do this, and that, and we are. That's exactly right, honey. We are not present in the moment, mm-hmm. and just embracing that moment because it's so powerful just to remember that this is what the you know it's the gift of now the gift of the present mm-hmm. is the most important thing because you know so many people are concerned about tomorrow and next week and next month and all the stuff ups they've made in the past and they're not living in the present in the now and um i always say to people you know the, the worries of tomorrow are the thief are the thief of today's joy and um and, and that's that's because today's the only day we've got, you know. No one yeah. has tomorrow. No one has yesterday. It's all gone. But, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a practice. It's a practice because, I mean, it's, and see, the conscious mind comes into play there so often. Yeah, I'm probably ruining this, but that made me think of, um, you know, a 
uh, hope for tomorrow is a prayer to father time. There's something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah. And, you know, it's great to have, you know, visions and, and exciting plans for the future. That's wonderful. Of course, you know, we, we can't just live today for today, but just be, just be present in the now as much as we possibly can. And as I said to you just a moment ago, when we were chatting before, I was chatting, you know, so I had a swarm of butterflies outside. It's like, wow, look at all that. You know, it's just being, you know, just paying attention to all the things that are around you and, and just observing instead of just thinking, oh, yeah, there is some butterflies. I didn't see them. You know, they're, they're there in front of you, but you didn't see them. It's funny how things can be in front of you, but you still don't see them unless you yeah. have your eyes open and your awareness open. So when you are aware and when you're open, it's like, oh, wow, you can see so much more. And it's, it's a lot more lucid and a lot, lot clearer. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So what can you do as a psychic exactly? You did talk about how you were able to predict that somebody was going to have a baby and paint their features, which is amazing. But what other gifts do you have? And do you have a leg up on everybody else? <laughs> Not really, sweetheart. It's really funny because uh, the thing is, Lauren, with, um, with my work, a lot of people think, oh, my God, um, if I go out to dinner with a bunch of friends and they'll bring a friend along who, um, you know, I've not met before and they'll say, oh, you know, this is David and blah, blah, blah. We all introduce ourselves and somebody inevitably might ask, oh, what do you do for a living? And when I mention that I'm a professional psychic, they go, most people go, oh, wow, wow, fantastic. And some people say, oh, can you read, oh my God, can you read my mind? <laughs> they think I'm sitting there going, mm, I can see right inside of you. And I'll say, do you know what? I have got no idea what's going on around you because I'm switched off. It's like, to me, it's like a light switch. I switch it on, switch it off. But as far as having a leg up on other people, no, not really. Um, and the funny thing is, I see nothing for me. So it's, um, there's nothing, absolutely nothing for me, which I love. I actually, crazily enough, I, I embrace the unknown of the future. So when all of this current situation rolled in around six weeks ago and um, suddenly the world shut down and closed down, you know, like lots of people, um, you know, my business ground to a halt overnight and, um, oh, what's going to happen next? So instead of panicking and worrying about it, it's like, oh, 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 this is going to be something exciting now. Oh, what's going to happen for me? I didn't have a clue, but I love helping people on their path and direction. So um, if I have a leg up, it's only in the sense of being able to help other people on their path and journey because to me, I'm only looking at the goodness that I can bring into your life, Lauren. I want to bring some validation into your life. I want, I want to better your life in some way, shape or form with this gift and ability and skill that I've got. That's all I'm interested in. I'm not interested in trying to tell you how bad it is, how worse it's going to get or how challenging it's going to be. You know what? If you want all the bad news, you tune into the TV or tune into mainstream stuff. I like to uplift people and uh, in the most humble of ways by, you know, with this wonderful ability and skill that I've got that I can't explain how it works. I don't know how it works. It just works. And uh, it's crazy what, uh, what comes out. For those of our lovely listeners that have had an experience with a, either a medium or a psychic, they'd be aware of what that is. And um, it's, uh, it's very humbling, very, very humbling. And even to this very day, after the many, many years of um, full-time service that I've been involved in this work for i think which is now 11 years uh, this year darling i haven't worked in 11 years because this is not work to me do you understand mm. this is not work when you're in alignment with your dharma with your life mission and purpose you'll never work another day in your life because you're working with joy you're working with love and you're working with fun and i love i'm an entertainer so i love entertaining people with this gift and this joy and it's just 
oh god it's such a beautiful way to uh to to work and to live so yeah do you find it difficult i mean you're in an industry that is well for those of us on a spiritual journey you know the psychic world and getting readings and mediumship and things like that isn't you know strange or foreign to us but for a large part of the world it is And, you know, there are a lot of skeptics. There are people out there calling themselves uh, psychics who aren't the real deal. Does any of that stuff ever bother you or do you just, you know, not worry about it, not care and just get along with, you know, your business? It doesn't matter to me. It does not matter to me, Lauren. Yes, of course, there are skeptics out there. And I I think skeptics are, it's it's fabulous to be skeptical. I, I, the wonderful, and just to, to touch on that note about skepticism, skepticism is extremely healthy because could you imagine a world where if everyone believed everything and was gullible, my God, it'd be a con man's dream out there if everyone just believed everything. Funnily enough, honey, I'm actually skeptical about a lot of things in life as well. But the difference is this, you can live your life in a very skeptical way and be totally closed mind, or you can be skeptical, but live with an open mind. Well, I'm skeptical, but I'm open-minded. Talk to me, tell me, what have you got to share? I'll take it aboard and you kick it around. I say to people, please don't believe what I tell you, but please don't disbelieve what I tell you. I want to present some uh, some ideas or some information that seems to be coming from the universe. Take from it what you will. And uh, what you do with it, what you take from it, is what you take from it. I have no modus operandi in the sense of trying to convince people. I do not try to convince skeptics. I can't tell you how many skeptics have had their minds blown by some of the things that I've brought through, but that's only, that's spirit's work, not mine. I'm just the messenger. I'm just the messenger between the universe and you. I just have the skill and ability to bring through a series of images and messages and things that I can't control and whatever comes through, comes through. And if people go, wow, my God, I'll say, well, thank you. That's great. And I, the first one to turn around and say, thanks guys. Thank you. I am not, it does not come from me, darling. It comes through me. I'm just the messenger. So you've got to be very humble about this. It's like, there's a greater power out there that knows what's going on. And some of the stuff that comes through today to this day just blows my mind. I think, what? Are you serious? Is that true? They go, oh, my God, Dave, you blah, 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 and they, they tell me something. And I get in the car to go home, and I all the way home, whenever I finish doing a show, the whole trip home is just absolutely uh, awash with gratitude and thanks. It's just thanks all the way home. Thank you, guys. Oh, my God, what a great night. Thank you. So that's that part of it as well. So that's a, a very important part about the scepticism. Oh, sorry, what was the other part of the question? I forgot there. Well, I can't even remember either. I was enraptured <laughs> in what you were saying. Sorry. But um, – You know, it did make me think of another question, though, which is, you know, that you encourage people, you don't need to believe everything saying, you know, to question it and to pay attention to what's true to you. So where does free will fit in with psychic readings? 100% free will. We are governed by free will. We live in, we are born into free will and we live in a free will universe. And even when I bring through uh, my messages for my, my lovely clients, I always say to them, guys, this is a free will message. Take from it what you will. Don't think that what I'm going to tell you, what I'm going to say to you is cast in, uh, in stone. Some people, you know, I know I've heard of some psychics or mediums say, this is going to happen, this will happen, and you have no choice over this. Well, you know what? They, are bra- they themselves are breaking the law of respect and the law of free will. When I conduct my readings, Lauren, they are conducted in the old-fashioned way that I was taught and trained about respect. Respect for spirit, universe, respect for you, and respect for me. And it's all uh, there's there's a series of, of um, uh, laws that are governed, uh, you know, in the universe. 
as there are. We have, we have physical laws on the physical plane here. Of course, we've got laws that govern our lives. And it's the same as the universe. There are a series of laws that we have to adhere to. One of them is the law of gravity. Defy that and you'll pay the price. Well, that, that's an immediate uh, validation of something if we defy the law of gravity. Well, all the other laws are there to, be, there to govern us and to support us, not, in a, de- not in, a, in a judgmental way, but it's just like when you understand what some of these basic laws are and go with it, my God, it just makes your life so much easier. So just to go with that. Yeah. So I know you do psychic readings through flowers, obviously. I want to talk about that in a second. Do you only do psychic readings through flowers? Mainly, that's what I've been doing up until this point. But now that we have moved into the current situation, we're in a a lockdown situation. I can certainly do online readings, but I use a series of um, I use two different card packs, and I do online card readings. And um, I also bring through a little bit of guidance from universe as well in that way because I do uh, the the face-to-face readings which is very very nice and that's pretty much it but up to this point up until we had the current changes come through I've always been doing my flower readings I've been reading cards for many years on the side so it's not something that's brand new to me but my flower readings I love because I love getting with a group of people and um, reading anonymously and that's what's so much fun about it so why flowers (laughs) <laughs> good question everyone says where did you why oh my god where did flower reading come from and i jokingly say to them well i was sitting in the pub one friday night drinking vodka <laughs> yeah that's how it's, all good stories start <laughs> all started the pub on friday night yeah it certainly wasn't that at all well i mentioned earlier in our conversation i was lucky enough to meet a lady by the name of denise who uh was one of Sydney's finest trance mediums back in the uh, late 70s and early mid 80s. And uh, Denise and I connected. And uh, Denise had heard about this young guy who was doing these little hand readings. And she came along and had a reading with me. Anyway, <laughs> Denise was, she was everything that I didn't think a teacher would be in the world of spirit. I was expecting, I'd been begging the universe for a, a teacher or a guide or a mentor. And I was expecting somebody like Dumbledore out of Harry Potter to turn up, like a wise wizard, you know, with a long beard and, and all the robes and the scrolls of wisdom and knowledge. It's like, where's my guide? Well, yes. my guide turned up, honey. And oh, my God. She was the quintessential Ocarozzi lady from the western suburbs of Sydney, out where I used to live. And Denise had three loves in life. She was a buxom lady, had a hair pulled back in a bun. And uh, she was a middle-aged housewife and she loved three things. She loved uh, spirituality, Winfield Blue cigarettes, Tic Tacs. <laughs> That's what she loved. <laughs> cigarettes. And she had a peppermint Tic Tac in one side of the mouth, a Winfield Blue cigarette out the other. Oh, man. And uh, she came and, came and knocked on my door one day and um, I answered the door. She'd booked in to have a reading and I was doing these little readings just on the side. And I opened the door and she's in there. She's with a Winfield Blue. She's oh, hi, love, how you going? I'm here to see you for the reading. And I said, well, come on in. So I ushered her in and sat her down and did the reading for her. And when I finished, I said, do you have any questions? She said, no, love, I don't. But let me tell you, I've got one for you. It's, that's how she used to speak. And I said, what's that? She said, who's that bloke standing beside you? And I said, I don't know who. She said, well, love, he's one of your guides and he's telling me to tell you that one day you're going to be reading flowers for thousands of people. And I laughed. I said, that is so cool. Who's your drug dealer? That's just so cool. You know, she God never heard of such a thing. And I was 
probably 25, 26 years old at the time. I said, what? She said, I'm telling you, love. And I said, well, I've never heard of flower eating. She said, well, I'll tell you. She said, love, she said, can we go out to your veranda? Because I've got more to tell you. I want to have a cigarette. I said, yeah. So we went out to the my veranda. And she lit up another witty blue. She said, this is so funny, Lauren. She goes, <coughs> she said, I reckon you should come to my house next Tuesday night. And I said, why is that? And she goes, <coughs> She said, I run a healing group, a healing group. And she's there with a cigarette. And she said, I run a healing group. Oh, I said, oh, this, is, this is crazy. She said, I teach people how to do readings. I read flowers and cards and God knows what. So, you know, I thought, oh, well, I sort of, you know, I was cautiously decided to go over on the following Tuesday night to check out this crazy lady and what she was talking about. And uh, anyway, long story short, I walked in and there must have been about 10 or 12 people in the room. And darling, this is back in the mid 80s. And God, everyone smoked. And I walked in, I could barely see anyone because everyone was smoking. They were like silhouettes, they were ghosts. So I was, oh, there is a person there. Hello. I'm <laughs> clear the cigarette. There is someone there. Oh, hello, mate. How are you going? Yeah, we're here to do reading. <laughs> and I thought, oh, this is crazy. There's a hidden camera here. So I must have smoked a pack of cigarettes that night just sitting there. <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> I said, so what do we do? And she said, love, and then everyone had all these flowers in a bag. I said, what do I do? She said, love, pick up a bag and pull the flower out, hold up to your third eye and focus on it. It'll talk to you. And I said, oh, wow. So I pulled this flower out and held up to my third eye and the flower never said a bloody word. It just <laughs> said, it was just waiting for talk to me. I said, it's not telling me anything. She said, it's all right, love. She said, you're not focusing, but it just focusing on it. It just focus on it. It'll be all right, all love. And I went, what? <laughs> anyway, and, and at the end of the night, I said, well, look, thanks very much. It was lovely to see you and nice to meet you. She said, what do you mean nice to meet me? I'll see you next Tuesday night, love. I said, do you want me to come back? She said, yeah, love, I'm going to take you under me wing. I'm going to teach you, love. I'm going to teach you. That's how it all started. Wow. And, um, yeah. So her house, all jokes aside, we, uh, I went to her house possibly every Tuesday night for about maybe two, two and a half years it got to the point, uh, Tuesday nights, I called it church night. It was like going to church. Oh, my God. The, the stuff that we learned from this amazing woman, all jokes aside, with her, her chain smoking and everything else, her knowledge, her connection to spirit, her knowledge was just incredible. And uh, many of her teachings I, I still implement in my life to this day. It's just been been beautiful, wonderful journey. Yeah, and that's, that's how it all started. And, you know, back then... Um, I think one day she said to me, you should get your mum and dad to get a few people around love and just have a practice with it. I said, okay, mum and dad. By that stage, mum and dad were, you know, curious as to what I was involved in. And I said, mum, can you get a few of your friends around and have some flowers? She said, oh, okay, all right. So she got a few friends around and we sat around and we had a bit of a laugh and a giggle and things didn't sort of really mean all that much. It was like, oh, yeah, that was fun. That was enjoyable. And that's how it used to be for some years. It got to the point where mum and dad would have, they'd have a barbecue or a dinner at their place and mum would say, oh, can you do a little flower reading for my friends? When they come over, I said, yes, mum, all right, if you want me to. Do you know what, Loz, this is the interesting thing. As that was happening, little did I realise this was my apprenticeship. This was my apprenticeship. This was my training. I did not realise I was being prepared for the future. And um, we never know at any stage what we're being prepared for. Just do what you want to do. And we had a, it was a bit of entertainment, a bit of lightheartedness, a laugh and a giggle. But little did we realise that it would just get stronger and stronger and was preparing me to my crash point at the age of 49 when life just crashed and crumbled around me. And uh, it was like the birth and the beginning of my whole spiritual journey, even though it began back in my 20s 
my my fully fledged it didn't become a fully fledged or full time thing until I was in the middle of my life, midlife. Mm. What a great story! It's fabulous. <laughs> it is, and I mean, I uh, God, I was in the media world like you. I was in the media world for many many years. I ran newspapers for nearly ten years in Sydney, and uh, was in the media industry down there, and you know worked with so many editors, journo's, and. Uh, advertising people i loved it the crunch and push of deadlines was always exciting in the the media world in the in the newspaper world and i loved it but every now and again i'd always have this little voice come into my head it's like oh, no, i haven't got time i haven't got time i haven't got time but then often i'd say to people look can i have a coffee with you i need to tell you some things and they go oh yeah 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 so you know they'd sit down i go blah 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 and they go oh wow so good that's it i'm done but i just had to get it out, out but it was always there so but never did i realize that it would ever be if somebody had said to me back then lauren you know what you'll be a professional psychic one day you'll become oh, get out of here no way i'm not that gifted god i'm not that good you know geez i no way, no way. And then, oh, my God, you know, out of the ashes, the phoenix rises when uh, life turns uh, the other way. And, um, yeah, it's been, as I said, it's been 11 years now that it, this has been my full-time profession. And, uh, I, I've, God, just I've conducted many, many thousands of readings in all that time, so all around Australia. I travel extensively, and uh, I'm lucky that I've got contacts and friends pretty much in every corner and state of this lovely country of ours. So it's very gratifying and very humbling. Love it. It's not hard to see that people would keep friendships with you. You're a beautiful man. Thank you. Um, how do people react when you tell them you read flowers? Oh my God, it is so hilarious. <laughs> do you know what? Often often I travel I travel on planes because I'm flying from one city to another and I, and I do a lot of work down in Sydney and Tasmania in particular. And I mean, sometimes I'm sitting on a plane and inevitably, you know, sometimes if somebody's up for a chat, they might chat to you or you chat to them and there's always a bit of banter. And I always make a point of asking the person first about them. So I'll say, hi, Lauren, nice to meet you. So what do you do? And you'll tell me about your story and inevitably they'll say, but anyway, what about you? What do you do? That's where the interesting thing is. <laughs> I say, look, I read flowers for a living. <laughs> and they go, what? <laughs> Just look at you, they what? And when I tell them what I do, you get, oh, my God, honey, it's so hilarious. I could almost see them wanting to reach for the hostess button to push yeah. the hostess button. Can we change seats? I'm sitting next to this crazy man. And I feel like saying, I feel like saying to them, I'm a, oh, look, I'm a jokester. I feel like saying, look, it's, 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 it's my first day on Supervisor. That's my first day on medication. <laughs> and, and they put me next to you. <laughs> I got no supervision, I got no medication. Oh, I'm a happy man. <laughs> you, can always, you can always hear them go, ah! But I've got to say, I've got to say that in the huge majority of cases, in fact, almost in every case, people go, what the hell? Wow. And, you know, all jokes aside, I say, look, I'm a professional psychic. I cannot believe how many people are so open now to this work. And people go, oh, wow. So um, I, I don't really even encounter people who go, oh, what a crock of rubbish that is. You know, how could you do that? I've never, really never had that from anybody. I certainly meet people who are sceptics. People say, oh, I don't know, I'm a bit sceptical about that, but really, is it true? And I said, well, don't even let me tell you whether it is true or not. You've got to decide that for yourself. I can only bring through my work and allow, I just allow my work to be the, uh, the messenger. I don't, yeah. I never get into debates or, or try to convince people, like I said earlier, I just allow my work to do the work. That's all there is to mm -hmm. it. 
So can you tell me about the whole process? I'm dying to know, you know, is it a special kind of flower? Does it only work on some flowers? Do you have to bless the flowers? How does it all work? When we talk about flower reading, and it doesn't have to be a flower as such, a person can choose a leaf or a piece of foliage, a piece of bush, anything that is grown by nature. Everything that is grown by nature, Lauren, has what they call a diva essence energy attached to it, which is spelled D-E-V-A, not D-I-V-A, as in take me to my trailer. This is D-E-V-A. So the diva essence energy is the energy that I connect with with my energy. And um, it is the diva essence energy that brings through, it carries the message for you. Now, in the early days, uh, when I was doing my readings, back in those very early days, yes, I would pull the flower out of the bag, I'd look at it, I'd hold up to my third eye, I'd focus on it, I would sort of tune in my energy, my vibration, and I'd get a smattering of words out here and there, and little messages would come through. It has now got to the point where when I'm sitting with a group of people, as soon as I pick up a paper bag that has a flower, has an item in it, oh my God, it just, it just booms out. People would probably get 80 to 90% of their message before I even open up the paper bag and see what flower they've chosen because the energy is just there. So as soon as I touch the bag, I'm off, I'm gone. And it's just bang, 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 bang. And then sometimes, in fact, sometimes people get all their messages before I even see the flower. So um, people think they'll say to me, Oh, but you know, a yellow rose, it's my favorite flower, but I couldn't run because it's winter time and I've only got this little piece of a gum leaf. I said, look, the gum leaf will give you the same message. So it carries your energy. Yes, flowers in the sense of their color, their form, or the bush or the, or the leaf or what have you, they all have messages in their own, but the majority of it is the fact that I just get images. As soon as I'm, I'm, I'm on duty and I've tuned in and I'm sitting in a group and I'm ready to perform, spirit come in, and bang, that's how it comes through. So it's just an energetic exchange and an energetic connection to nature. Um, it's, it's commonly described as psychometry. My work is, is psychometry, uh, which is being able to uh, pick up images from an item. But in the sense of me, I mean, some people, um, you know, need jewellery and they read a watch or what have you, and it's no different to the readings that I do. It's, it's no different, except that for me, I much prefer to work with nature because that's why, because it's a living thing. And um, and the living thing, I connect with the energy of that living thing and it's I can't explain it, but it's, it's, it's just beautiful and it just works. And I just get this ravenous appetite for more. It's, oh my God, come on, come on, come on. There's more energy and there's more things to bring out. It, it just go, goes off like a cracker. It's crazy. Can you share some of your most memorable readings with me? Oh, wow. Some of the most memorable. My God, there are just so many of them. Oh, my God. Um, yes, I can certainly connect with um, spirit in the sense of mediumship. And uh, mediumship is a uh, is a, a beautiful part of my work, although it is not my forte. And just to sort of um, clarify that very quickly, a lot of people, Lauren, think that a, that a psychic medium is one and the same. They're not. They're vastly different because a fully-fledged medium is somebody who will connect with your loved ones who have passed over and uh, bring through some very specific information about them, their, you know, their lives, their names, and, and perhaps aspects of how they passed over. That's what a medium does. A psychic, which is what my forte is, is being able to uh, um, feel your energy, your characteristics, um, personality traits, uh, a little bit where you've been on your path and journey, what happened to you five years ago, what's happening around you now, and where you are leading into. So <clears throat> there can be some 
excuse me, there can be some examples of, of that that come through. And that is really my forte, I guess. Um, just recently, I um, picked up one lady's bag. I was in a show and I picked it up. And as soon as I picked up the bag, a man came and stood beside me in spirit. Now, I couldn't see him, um, but I knew it was a man. I said, darling, I've got a man standing here beside me. And you're not going to believe this, Lauren. All I could smell was burnt toast. I could smell all this burnt toast. I went, <coughs> I said, who burnt the goddamn toast? Somebody's burnt toast in the kitchen. And next thing, beep, 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 I heard the smoke alarm going off. And I saw two people with tea towels going like that, trying to get rid of the smoke. And this lady burst into tears. And um, she was in the audience and I could hear her going, <gasps> well, I thought, oh my gosh. And I said, sweetheart, I didn't mean to upset you, but I've got to keep going. This man's giving me this, all this information. So I said, I've got all this stuff happening. So when I finished, I, there was lots of other um, information came out in the reading and I opened my eyes and I said, who owns this flower, please? And I looked and there was a lady just sitting a couple of rows back. She put her hand up and her girlfriend had her arm around her. She had tears rolling down her cheek and she said, oh, my God, David, it's me. I think her name was Christine. I can't remember. She would have been in her mid-50s. I said, are you okay? She said, oh, my God. She said, I'm blown away. She said, the man with the burnt toast. I said, would you mind telling me what's going on? What does that mean? She said, the man standing beside you is my husband, my late husband. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. What happened? What's the story? She said, I'm too lost for words. She said, would you believe three years ago, we got out of bed one morning just to go to work like we normally did. And she said, honey, would you mind just whacking the kettle on and whack the toast on while I have a shower, have some brekkie before we go to work? He said, sure. She said, we had one of those old flip toasters that when you put the toast in, you've got to stand there and watch it cook. Otherwise, it'll burn because it doesn't pop up automatically. Put the kettle on. She had a shower. Well, when he put the toast on, his best mate called him up. And he got caught up on the phone, wandered out the back and forgot about the toast. And when she came out of the bathroom, the smoke was just filled with the kitchen. That's when the smoke alarm went off. And she said, Darren, that toast. He went, oh, my God. He said, sorry, mate, I'll call you back. So he came running in and she said, we took the toast out. It was smouldering charcoal. The smoke alarm was going off. We were getting rid of the tea towels to dissipate the smoke and get rid of it. We threw the old charcoal toast away, put two new pieces of toast on to cook, made our cup of tea and we left to go to work. He was killed five minutes later around the corner in a car crash on his way to work. So the last time she ever saw her husband was in the kitchen with the burnt toast trying to get oh rid of the smoke. God. That was the last time. She said as soon as she said there's a man here with burnt toast, she lost it. She said that's my husband. And she said everything you said in that reading, David, was not from you. It was from my husband. She said these are not tears of sorrow, honey. These are tears of shock, overwhelm and joy. I never thought I'd ever hear from my husband again. I said, well, honey, he's right here and he wants to give you the biggest hug. Everyone in the room was crying as we hugged. And I said, your husband just wants to give you a hug and everything's fine. She said, the stuff you told me from Darren was just incredible. So, you know, you get information like that. And then you'll get information from someone who will just laugh at you and go, yeah, right. And I can remember just recently I conducted a show and walked in and said hi to everyone and introduced myself, as I always do. And one lady said to me, I said, hello, my name's David. Nice to meet you. Shook her hand. And she said, nice to see you again, David. I said, oh, have we met before? Oh, yes, she said. She said, we met about eight years ago. I said, where at? She said, at another show like this. I said, oh, that's nice. And then she went like this and she laughed. She went, oh, my God. She said, I've got to be honest with you. And I said, what? She said, I never thought I'd ever see you again. I said, why do you say that? Because she said, please don't be offended. She said, everything you told me eight years ago is the biggest crock of shit I've ever heard in my life. And I said, really? And she said, yep, I'm not kidding you. It was the biggest crock. I've never heard so much rubbish in all my life. I said, so why did you come back and see me tonight? She said, because everything came true. 
true to the letter. She said, I recorded it. I said, so enlighten me. What the hell happened? I was intrigued. She said, Dave, I've got to tell you. She said, as soon as you picked my bag up that night, you picked my bag up and you said, whoever's around you, there's a little boy around you age between uh, seven and ten, and he's an only child. She said, my boy was eight and he's an only child. So she said, okay, Dick, you got that right. She said, that's where you lost me. Because apparently after that I said, what's with this boy? I'm getting um, take one, take two. Lights, camera, action, camera one, camera two, camera three. I've got a studio. I've got cords everywhere. What's with television, movies, something all to do with acting or what's all this about? And she said, my son was a a, a soccer player at school. You know, he was, you know, this, he loves sport. This made no sense. And apparently I said, I've got that. Now, who is this man who's got his arm out like that, dressed in black, and he's got the Canadian flag right above his head. He's got the red and white maple leaf flag. So there's a Canadian connection here, either Canada or he's a Canadian. But this man is bald and he's dressed in black. He's got his arm out and he's put this little boy under his, he's taken him under his wing. She said, oh my God, he sounds like a pedophile. She said, I'm not letting him knit my son, bald and black and Canadian. She said, no, 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 no. And she said, you waffled on with all this crap. And she said, I'm going to look out for every Canadian now suspicious, you know. <laughs> she said, oh, what are you waffling on? But she said, yeah. She said, oh, what a crock. She said, oh, well, look, she said, look, you know, at least the, uh, she said, she said, at least the champagne, cheese and crackers were nice that night. And she said, well, that bitch. but she said, do you know what was crazy? I said, what? She said, the thing that was crazy, she said, not a single thing you said to me made any sense, but I was there with my girlfriends and you were just knocking the others down with, with such accuracy. She said, it really, it's it sort of, it was perplexing because I knew you were certainly gifted because of what you were telling my friends, but why didn't anything make sense to me? I always encourage people to record. So luckily she recorded it on her phone, the message. Well, do you know what? She said it took three years for the magic to happen. I said, really? And this was eight years ago. And she said, it took three years. She said, I took my, I went home and my husband said, oh, how did you go? <laughs> and she said, I was the biggest loader up. He said, I told you not to waste your money on that shit. And he said, oh, they're all a crock of, they're all con men and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. She said, I, I believed him until three years later, my son was 11 years old. And she said, back then my son was, you know, blonde haired, blue eyed very good looking and great personality, he got spotted by a talent scout and the talent scout sat his mum and dad down and said, hey, your kid's got the looks, he's got the talent, you should consider putting him into a, uh, like a, an agency. If he's interested, he might pick up a few dollars. Have a talk to him. Well, they did. And he said, if you're interested, I'll give you a hand. So long story short, the kids said, yeah, okay, whatever. Well, she said, David, he has now filmed six TV commercials. He's been in three movies. His agent is bald, dresses in black, and he's a Canadian. He's taken him under his wing, and he's got him. He's going to hook him up with an agency in Hollywood. He's now seventeen years old, and she said, "Oh my god! Oh my wow. god! Oh my god! Everything you said, it's all come out." So sometimes it can be like you'll hear messages today that mean nothing, and I say to people, some people look at me blankly. I said, "Look, I know it's blank, but just please record it." And that's how this is. And luckily. I'm in a fortunate position when, certainly not all the time, but I often meet people in the future just like this lady and they'll say, David, you you should see the testimonials I've got here, honey, that I could send you when people go, oh, my God, you are so accurate. And, um, yeah, so there's many, many, many stories. And one lady I described, <coughs> excuse me, um, a, a castle that um, she was at 
in Italy. She had never been to Italy. And it was just like, what the hell? She said, oh, no. and she was just a, like a, an Aussie housewife. And I just described this castle and, and the view that she had from it and everything else and the cobblestones. Long story short, her friend, and I, I, I described the beach where they were laying. And I, on the, and I said, there's all stones. There's no sand. It's all beach. And just made no sense to her at all. And she said, I've got no ambition to travel and don't know what you're waffling on about. Long story short, her girlfriend won a trip, won a holiday to Italy and invited her as her partner because she was single. So they both went over and they went to the castle and they went to the beach. Was all the she said, oh, my God, it's like you were, it was like watching a video when I got over there. It's like, this is what David said in the reading. This is what David wow. said. It was about probably nine months later that it all came to pass. So, you know, sometimes you'll get information that doesn't make any sense and it will in the future. And there's other times when the lady with, you know, with her husband with a burnt toast, she knew exactly who it was. So you get that, you can get immediate validations on the moment. And other times it'll be like, well, maybe it's in the future. But honey, I will still say I am not 100% in the sense of I'm always, always perfect. There's no such thing as perfection. I, I jokingly, lovingly refer to myself as a psyche with P plates. I've got my P plates on. I'm always learning. I'm always learning. I'm not always accurate or perfect, but I'm telling you spirit is, but it's my interpretation that you know, it's just what they're trying sometimes because mostly they, they give me images and smells and tastes and things like that. And that's what I, I work with. But uh, gee, there's been some bottlers um, over the time, I can tell you. Fabulous stories, just fabulous. So when you were doing the reading for that woman with the burnt toast, obviously that would have given her a lot of support and a lot of, I guess, hope that, you know, there's life after death, that her husband is okay. But so what are some of the other benefits that people receive from a psychic reading? And why do you think people go to a psychic in the first place? Do you think that they're looking for that comfort and validation, potentially same as that woman was? They are, they are Lauren. They're looking for the validation. In fact, I think more than anything, they're just looking for the validation. I mean, a lot of people are looking for direction. One thing I'll say in a reading, I always, I always preempt the readings by saying to people, please understand, spirit, do not come through and say, you must do this or you must do that or you must not do that or you must not do this because it breaks the law of free will. So I'm not here to answer the question or spirit's not here to answer the question as in what you must or must not do or should I leave this man or should I stay with him or should I marry her or should I not? That's a personal choice. Um, so I never, I always say to people, I will never bring that information through only from the point of view that it's just like, it, it breaks the free will. It breaks, and that's why um, the universe don't bring it through to me that in that way either. They don't bring it through in the context of uh, giving me the direct answers. I certainly feel, um, I'll give them little hints and little tips. It's like, well, look, I'm not allowed to say yes or no, but uh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Maybe you should have a look at this and this from this perspective, and maybe you should just check that out. And people go, oh, wow, I never thought of that. So it's just like, well, a little bit of a nudge, go and have a look at that. And that might be an outcome for you as well. But uh, yes, to answer your question, uh, Loz, about uh, about where people, you know, what, why they come to see people, more than anything, it is valuable. Um, and hopefully they'll get some direction. And some people are just, you know, they come along for a bit of entertainment, a bit of intrigue. It's like, oh, I wonder what's going to, you know, I wonder what's going to happen. And particularly with a flower reading, when people, most people who come along to a flower reading, have never heard of it like you, and they don't know what to expect. And I love that because when people come in without expectation, oh my gosh, it's bliss because they get blown away. It's like, this was not what I was expecting. Oh my God, can't believe the stuff that come out. And particularly because I read flowers in a group. 
So I don't read them individually. So that everyone's in a group in a room or it's, it can be in a fully fledged show in an auditorium with many, many people. I do big shows, I do little shows, but it's mainly comprised of little private shows. And um, the thing I love about it, Lauren, is the fact that everyone puts their flowers in a bag with a number or a symbol on it so that it symbolises, you know, who they are. You might have a triangle number 16 on it, but that's just for your identification. But everyone puts their bags in the middle. Well, of course, I walk into the room, sit down, just pick up a random bag and I close my eyes. I say, right, who, who's who got number 16 with a uh, triangle on it? And you'll put your thumb up and the lady who's organising the show will say, yes, Dave, we know who it is. So that like, I know. And then all of your life spits out. So you get your reading before I even know it's yours. I don't wow. know it's you until the end of the meeting. Yeah. So that is purely, that's why I'm not, I, all the conscious mindset is taken out of it. All of the ego is taken out of it because I'm purely trusting what I'm seeing, hearing, feeling, smelling, tasting, and experiencing in my sensations. And I bring it through at 100 miles an hour. And at the end of it, I say, right, okay, whose is this, please? That's how it works. And people mm-hmm. go, oh, my God. And even the skeptics say, well, I'm lost because I can't explain how you do that. Because some people say, oh, well, do you know, do you check people's profile out on the internet or on Facebook before you come yeah. over? I said, you know what, the more information I know about someone, the worse it is for me. That's why I can't read for my friends and close family. They're too close. The most beautiful, easiest person for me to read for is a total stranger. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love that because that's exactly what a skeptic will say. You know, oh, David had a producer and they chose somebody specific in the audience and then they were feeding David information. But clearly when it's random, that's not what's happening. And it's so That's cool. right. The lovely, the lovely thing about that is that they know that, uh, and let's say, for example, I knew all about you. I knew all about you and you had a bag in there, Right. Oh uh, yeah, but David knows Lauren really well, so he's gonna he's going to tell her all the stuff that he knows about her. But when you put your bag in a whole group anonymously and mix it all up, and I just how do I know which how do I know which is your bag? You know yeah. what I mean? I've never met you before, and um, and I come. You know what I mean? Oh, that's what I'm trying to say. When it's all yeah. in there, if I knew you, um, and but uh, you know, I, I always say to people, please get all your bags together. Don't, I don't want to see anyone carrying their bag. So even if you and I did know each other really well, you've, your bag is in, in amongst the group and someone will yell out and say, David, all the bags are ready. Then I come in and they're just a whole big group of them. So I don't know who owns the bag. And that's what's wonderful because it, it removes all that ability for people to be sceptical because like, well, how does he know that? Because he just, you know, wow. Yeah, that's lovely. It is so cool. It is so fantastic. It is. And it's, it's not unique, but it's not common. It's not common. I mean, when uh, people normally go and see a psychic or a medium, it's a one-on-one. They have a private consultation. And uh, whilst I'm, I'm doing all my private consultations online now because of the current situation we're in, which I can certainly do, and that's lovely, but I love that anonymity of uh, reading anonymously and uh, because that also, it also um, strengthens my skills and abilities as a psychic because I'm trusting more and more and more what I get coming in and that strengthens me and it strengthens my gift and uh, therefore I can be of even better service to you my friend. Fantastic. So we are at the end of our time together and one of the things that I picked up on during our talk was that you know as part of your gifts you really can give some advice or some perspective to you know the people that you work with what is some of the best advice that you've been given? 
the best piece of advice. Wow. Um, okay, the best piece of advice I have, I guess I've got, I've been given so many, but one of them is um, just to seek the peace within you, just to seek peace within, not don't look for peace from him, for her, from them. It's within us, you know, seek, I'm just a peace seeker. I seek the things that are going to make me peaceful. And if something or someone is not going to make me peaceful, I turn away and I just seek the peace. I just come back to peace, whatever centers me with peace. Because at the end of the day, when if I can go to sleep at night in a peaceful state, close my eyes and think, you know what, I've done the best I can today. Uh, and I'm at peace with all the things that I've done and said, that's that leaves me in a very happy space. If I can do better tomorrow, I'll do better tomorrow. But today I did my best. So just do and be your best today in the most peaceful, peaceful way that you can be and be that walking, talking billboard of your philosophy and belief and allow that to shine the beacon of your truth to the world and the world will respond accordingly. The world is screaming out for authentic, real people, honey. They're screaming out for them. And for those that are willing to stand and to hold their head high, just in their, standing in their own truth and authenticity, the world is screaming out for people like that. And they're really, they're looking towards people who, who can just shine their light so brightly and so beautifully. So it's lovely. Well said. David, I love speaking with you today. So thank you so much. For our listeners at home who are in Australia and would love to come to a flower reading, or maybe who are overseas and still interested in getting a reading from you, how do they get a hold of you and is this something that's available to them? You can contact my office on flower readings, uh, lowercase, all one word with a double R in the middle, flowerreadings at gmail.com. That's the easiest way to connect or you can call my office. Uh, my PA is Tracy and you can reach Tracy on 0481 598 520. And I'm con currently conducting online card readings as well, which comprise of a, of a card reading, 30 minutes and 30 minutes of spiritual guidance and chit chat as well. So that's something that is available too. Great. And I'll also put the links to your website and your Facebook page and your email all in the show notes too. So thank you, David. I really hope that you've enjoyed yourself today. One subject that we didn't get to discuss, which is very close to both of our hearts, is the subject of manifestation. So I would love to extend the invitation to you to come back and speak on that subject if that's of interest. Absolutely. Yes, well, call me psyche, but I think I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent. Okay, well, thank you, David. It's been a pleasure and I can't wait till next time. Thank you, Lauren. And, uh, Lovely to thank you for all for joining us today. It's been lovely to uh, um, to tune into you, lovely folks. And I hope I was of some value today for you all. Have a great, great day. Mm -hmm.